Welcome to the Lady Beta Podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Mern. I'm a certified health coach, certified personal trainer, and soon to be a certified brain rewiring coach. We're going to be talking about all things training, nutrition, mindset, and hormone balancing for the Lady Climber. You can learn more about me and the services I offer over at ladybetacoaching.com and over on Instagram at ladybeta.coaching. Let's dive in. Welcome to Natasha. I am so excited to have you on the show today. So go ahead and give us a little bit of a background on you. We are really, really excited to get to hear what you have to say. Awesome. Thanks for inviting me on the show, Chelsea. I'm really excited to be here and I'm stoked to talk about what we're going to talk about today. Yes. Um, I'm Natasha Barnes and I am a chiropractor. I've been practicing for the last 10 years in California. Um, I'm also a climber and a competitive powerlifter, and I work predominantly with climbing athletes, um, both in a rehab setting and in a coaching setting. Mm -hmm. And you've been climbing for just a little bit now. So you started when you were quite a bit younger, and you've been pretty much ever since, right? Yeah, uh, I started when I was 16. That was uh, shockingly 22, almost 23 years ago. People don't realize how old I actually am sometimes. It's funny. Uh, Yeah, so been around for a little while. Um, And there was a time where I was a professional climber, competing professionally, um, traveling and climbing uh, for a really long time. Took a little break to to be more competitive in powerlifting, but Mm -hmm. I've always been climbing off and on the whole time. So, Mm -hmm. so what was that transition like between being a competitive climber, and what kind of made you realize that that's maybe not the exact path that you wanted to go down, and you really did want to move more into like helping other people improve their climbing? Yeah, for me, um, I really, really liked competing. I love it. I still love it, but um, I was just suffering from a lot of different kind of climbing injuries, repetitive injuries. And then, uh, you know, finally got like a significant finger injury that took me out for about six months, um, which at the time felt like forever, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, especially as someone who's making a living climbing and competing. I wasn't able to do that. Um, And I started losing sponsors and it was like pretty much the most horrible time. Um, Very like I was very depressed, like I couldn't climb tried to do other sports, didn't love them. So it was, a, it was a really rough time. And around that same time I, is when I realized like I wanted to do what I do now because I didn't really get very good answers from medical professionals on like what to do about my finger injury because only climbers really get finger injuries like, like we do. And doctors don't really know how to deal with them. And so the advice was just, oh, just don't climb. Oh, you climb? That's crazy to stop climbing. Or... Um, just rest until it stops hurting. And none of that was very good advice. Um, Yeah, so doctors and medical professionals just didn't really understand what to do about a finger injury because only climbers really get those kinds of injuries. And so the advice was to just rest until it stopped hurting or to stop climbing. A lot of doctors were like, you climb? That sounds crazy. Just stop climbing, Um, which definitely wasn't an answer for me. So um, that's sort of what prompted me to get into the line of work that I do because it was a really depressing time for me. Um, and I really just don't want anyone to have to go through that same struggle that I did of not knowing how to get back into a sport that they love. Mm-hmm. So I think that that recommendation of rest is super common. So when you go to work with people and they've been told that, like, do people normally come to you first of all, or are they 
usually seen a couple of doctors and that's kind of been the line of recommendation so far. Yeah, that's really, really common. So a lot of people like intuitively, it sort of makes sense like, oh, something hurts, stop using it. Um, But that's not really the right way you want to go about dealing with these injuries. And a lot Mm -hmm. of times with medical professionals or people who don't understand the sport, people get told to just rest. Um, And a lot of times that just comes from the medical professional not understanding what's what happens in the sport, you know, they think like, oh, rock climbing, whoa, that's a cliffhanger, crazy, like, yeah, stop. (laughs) Uh, They don't understand that there's some nuance there and there is a way to, there's a path to being able to work around the injury um, or work through the injury when Mm -hmm. it's appropriate. Yeah, so when somebody comes to work with you, what do you tell them? Let's say the injury just happened. Is it appropriate to rest for like a short period of time? Like when is kind of that, that time period to where it's like, okay, yes, maybe you did rest initially, but now it's more appropriate to start to begin that loading process. Yeah, it really depends on the injury. Um, you know, obviously if it's a traumatic injury, that's a different story. Um, but in general, like resting like a day or two is usually enough for most injuries. And then we can progressively start loading the injury. For some people, they can start loading the injury right away after the injury happens. And I've done that before and I've, I've done it for myself before. So it just depends on the injury. Mm-hmm. So I know a big piece of this and the, a big reason that you got into helping other people work through their injuries was that emotional piece of like not being able to climb, like that pretty much changes and challenges your entire identity. So how do you go about, I mean, how did you address that for yourself when you were in that time period? Yeah, it was really tough. I mean, it really does. Um, and that's part of the problem with injuries. Like, you know, it takes you away from your identity as like an athlete, as like a climber or whatever else it is that you want to be doing. Um, for me, I tried to deal with it by doing other sports. I tried to get into Bikram yoga. I literally did like 30 days of Bikram yoga in a row because that's what like the studio I went to recommended, uh, which was an experience in and of itself. But obviously, like I didn't love yoga the same way I loved climbing. Um, I tried to get into road cycling and that was pretty fun, but the passion obviously just wasn't the same um, Mm -hmm. as with climbing. So I tried to distract myself with other sports that I could do that didn't involve my finger, but um, you know, for me, it wasn't enough. (laughs) Right. Right. And so you also had a finger injury recently as well. So what was kind of the difference between the way that you approached and went about that injury, you know, on the more emotional mental side of things versus now, obviously you have a much bigger toolbox. You kind of know what's happening, but how did you approach that, that emotional side? Yeah, absolutely. Like when the first injury that I had, you know, it it was a bad injury, but it felt really catastrophic. Like immediately when it happened, I was like, I felt like this explosion in my finger and I thought that that's it. It's over. Like I'm never climbing again. I'm never climbing at this level. Like immediately went into catastrophic thinking and like lots of negative thinking. My most recent one, like I've dealt with lots of finger injuries before, not lots, but I've had maybe like a handful of finger injuries. They happen. Um, Only a few of those were traumatic, but a lot of them were just overuse. And I've dealt with them in climbers. I've dealt with lots of other traumatic injuries before. So when the most recent one happened, I was like, oh, oops, that happened. Uh, Well, guess it's time to deal with this now. Um, So the, the mindset was totally different. Like I approached it with a much more positive mindset. Um, I trusted that my body was going to heal eventually. Um, I didn't feel in a hurry to get back to performing at a high level um, because you really can't, like you have to just, you know, be realistic. 
Um, and so I think just approaching it with like a more calm mindset, a more positive mindset, and a knowing that I know this process, I can get through it, and this is not a catastrophic thing. Like I'm going to be able to get through this really, really helped a lot. And the mindset is really important when it comes to any kind of injury. Mm -hmm. So, okay, let's say somebody gets injured. What would kind of be like that first thing that you would say to them is like, cool it, calm down, it's going to be okay. Or like, how would you go about like telling people, yes, you know, it feels really catastrophic, especially when it is your first injury. I know when I had my first finger injury, I had the same thoughts. I was like, it's over, game over for me. I am done. Put me in the oven. Like we're, we're good. But what, what are kind of the things that you guide people through? Because I don't think a lot of people think about that as being a component to, or a barrier to healing. Yeah, it really depends on the person. So um, everybody's going to have a different response to injury. And some people really are like panicking. Um, Other people are going to have a much more calm approach about it just naturally. Um, And, you know, you really have to kind of validate people, let Mm -hmm. them feel upset, let them be where they are. Like, it's okay to be upset. You have an injury. Like, yeah, get mad for a second. Be upset. Cry about it if you have to. Like, it's okay to feel those things Mm because it is frustrating to get injured. Um, I'm not just going to tell someone you're fine. Like you're going to be fine in six weeks. Don't worry about it. Like, I'm not going to say that because that's invalidating, you know? Um, So it's just going to meet the person where they're at with the injury and, you know, whatever, whatever that conversation needs to be to Mm -hmm. get them to calm down a little bit and have a more positive outlook on it. Um, A lot of times just um, relating to them, my story or relating other people's stories that I've worked with can be helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely the first step is like calming people down and calming the injury down. Mm-hmm. So I know one thing that I, and I used to do this a lot too. Um, I've been injured a lot, so I've, I've definitely learned to calm down and trusting that process. Like, yes, my body will heal itself, you know, on whatever timeline that that needs to happen. It's okay. But kind of like checking in every day or multiple times a day to see where that pain level is at. So can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, that's, you know, that can be a good and a bad thing. Like, I definitely want people to be aware of how the injury is feeling and the overall arc of the healing process is important to look at and keep an eye on. But sometimes, like, checking back on the injury repetitively, like, oh, is it still sore? It's still sore. Oh, if I do this, it's still sore. Or, like, I squeeze my finger, it's sore every day. Like, that starts to get into a little bit of, like, hypervigilance. And that can actually be problematic because hypervigilance, it correlates with the worst outcome because people tend to like ruminate on the injury. They tend to um, catastrophize a little bit more in their mind when they're constantly thinking about the injury mm-hmm. and testing something. Like my clients sometimes will be like, oh yeah, I, I do this every day to like see how the shoulder feels. I'm like, just don't do that. Like you don't need to do that. That's not like, it's normal for injuries to have an up and down. And this is something that I talk about with a lot of my clients. Like we can't look at the day to day. Like there are going to be days where you feel amazing and you're going to be tricked into thinking you're better. And then the next day it's going to be hurting again. And that's just normal. That's a normal part of the process. What we're looking at is the longer term view. And as long as we're seeing that injury head in the right direction, it's normal to have the ups and downs. And so checking in every day can actually cause people to be more anxious about it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the overall theme so far is like, okay, it happened. We're going to chill out a little bit and then go get it dealt with. So when is that point in time that you know when to reach out for professional advice? Like maybe, okay, the conventional doctor, yes, maybe they haven't seen a lot of these. Like when is that that threshold? 
Yeah, so there's something that people should be aware of, and that's this concept of regression to the mean. So most things are going to get better within six weeks, whether or not you do anything about it. Um, and, you know, sometimes people do something about it and they it gets better and they think it's because they did the thing, you know, when really it's just a natural course of history of an injury. So one of the things that can be reassuring for people to know is that things do get better on their own. Like it's going to get better and generally things do get better within six weeks. Um, when I would look at seeing a professional is obviously if you have a catastrophic injury, mm -hmm. um, you know, if there was some trauma involved, like you definitely want to see a professional to rule out any kind of red flags like fracture, um, you know, ruptures, um, anything that could potentially be surgical. Mm -hmm. um, if somebody's having like neurological symptoms, and I think people kind of confuse what neurological symptoms mean sometimes. Sometimes people are like, oh yeah, it does get a little tingly sometimes. I'm like, no, 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 like is your hand going completely numb? Like, can you not pick up your coffee cup? Like those kinds of neurological symptoms are red flags. Um, those things you definitely want to get mm -hmm. checked out, but a lot of times just, you know, giving it some time to chill out, um, and working slowly to slowly to build shit back up. Mm -hmm. Um, things are going to get better within that six week time frame. Um, there are definitely sometimes some cases where seeing a professional can help speed that process up mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, especially if it's a matter of grading your exposure back to a position, like for example, um, a back injury, like someone hurts their back it can be really painful and uncomfortable to bend over. And if they just like, don't do anything about it, it's going to stay that way for a little bit longer. Um, but a lot of times they can start doing something right away and their range of motion is going to open up like within a matter of a day. Mm -hmm. um, so if someone doesn't know what to do, what the next step is, um, or they're not sure how to work train around the injury or how to start engaging back into that, the mm -hmm. same thing that injured them, that's when I would probably seek out some professional help. Um, and it doesn't always have to look like an extensive rehab process. Like it doesn't have to be like, okay, I go see this PT or this rehab professional and we're gonna be working together for 10 weeks. I'm not gonna be able to climb. It's gonna be the whole process. Like sometimes it's like, let's get someone to look at it, rule out a red flag, tell you what, where a good like starting point is for you. And a lot of times, like once you know where your starting point is and like where you need to get to, you can do those steps on your own. Like there are times where I will consult someone one time because all they need is a little bit of guidance on how to get started on their rehab mm -hmm. process. And then it's off to the races. So, yeah, no, that's really reassuring too, is to know like, yeah, you just need a little bit of that structure and guidance. And there is a there is a point to where, yeah, don't try to DIY it. You know, if it's something that's really lasted for a period of time or it was, you know, that catastrophic thing that caused it, like absolutely be sure to reach out to a professional. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to rest that entire six-week time frame either. Like you can still probably do a lot. And I think you're probably also in the camp of like, let's see where you're at right now and see how much you can tolerate and then kind of back off from that a little bit. Yep, 100%. Like step one is always like, what can you tolerate now? And let's start from there. And what are mm -hmm. other things we can do to work around this injury so that you stay strong and you stay in shape? Like the biggest thing that I see is like, if someone gets an injury, they, they work on their rehab, but they completely take off time from training or climbing sometimes. And that's problematic because it's really hard to get them back into the sport later on when they are ready for that. Mm -hmm. um, or like another example of that is, I'll see climbers with like a shoulder injury um, and then they completely stop climbing because, you know, that maybe the shoulder doesn't tolerate certain climbing positions. 
Um, and then once their shoulder is feeling better after the rehab process, they hop right back into climbing and like, oh, now they have a sore finger because they weren't, you know, training their fingers that whole time and their body feels ready to climb again, but their, their fingers aren't quite ready for that stress anymore after that time off. So a lot of times in rehab programs with people, we're finding ways to keep them training. Um, we're finding ways to how can we continue to load your fingers because that's going to be important when you get back to climbing, no matter what injury you have. Um, so it's a lot of like working around the injury and then also working with the injury and finding out where you where you are with it and what you can do, where you can start from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like that too. So kind of similar to like when you tried yoga for those 30 days, you know, that was very, that looks very different than rock climbing. So you're trying to keep people as similar to like climbing and training as possible, but obviously we're, you know, we're changing the load, the intensity, the things that you're doing. So I know a lot of people when they get injured, they're like, oh, I'll just start running. Like, thoughts on that yeah I mean and that's not like you know if they want to run cool that's going to keep them active sure blood flow great but yeah I mean actually there's probably some things that are closer to climbing that they can keep doing like oh Mm -hmm. well you have a TRX at home like let's do some TRX exercises while your finger's hurting because you can hold on to the TRX and that's okay and we can have you do some training or you know we can have you focus on some strength training um there's a lot of things that people can do that's going to be a little bit more climbing specific or it's going to work in that energy system a little bit better for them that's going to help them stay strong for climbing. Yeah, I'm probably way more psyched too because if people haven't seen a professional for rehab yet, they probably think of all these things like using bands and like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be so bored doing all of these things. But if it looks really similar to what you're doing for training, it's going to keep you engaged and keep your your mindset like pretty much in the game a lot more. Yeah, totally. That's a big one. I mean, the my goal is always to keep rehab looking as much like training as possible. And it, it can a lot of times. I think people don't realize how much they are capable of even when they have an injury. And their rehab really can look like training. And I always tell people that rehab is training. Like it's literally the same thing. The same concepts apply. It's just from a different starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean like your whole body has to start from that lower starting point. Like there's a lot we can do with the rest of the body. And that really does help with people's mind mindset because they still feel like an athlete. They still feel like they're training and that's just going to affect their prognosis. It's going to make, it's going to get them to feel better faster because they still feel like an athlete instead of like someone who's broken. Yes, absolutely. So something that I've noticed for myself, and I'm curious to see if you've noticed this too, is every time I come back from an injury, I am way stronger. Like, obviously, you know, there's a very long time between when I got injured and when I feel like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm back or I'm beyond where I was before. Do you see something similar? Yeah, honestly, um, I think if you get the right rehab program and you have the right approach, like you are working around an injury when you you had a finger injury recently, you were finding ways to work around it. So you can still be training and getting stronger, like while you're going through a rehab program. And that's like 100 percent what I see with a lot of my athletes. They're shocked when they get back into climbing. They thought like, okay, like I'm not going to be hurt anymore, but I'm still going to be like, you know bottom of the barrel, like starting from square one. And they, they come back and they're like, whoa, I am way stronger than I thought I was going to be just getting back to it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And lots of opportunities too, to work on other things. So whenever I get injured, I'm like, okay, well, clearly I was hitting it too hard on that thing. Like maybe I don't need to be doing minimum edge depth hangs and then also moonboarding on top of it. Like that's too much load, too much intensity. Okay, great. Can I work on open hand stuff instead, which admittedly is like a big weakness of mine. So I think it, it, 
it takes to a professional sometimes to point those things out as like, okay, what else could we be doing that is going to be really beneficial and ultimately is going to raise where you're at from the, that base level. Yeah, totally. And that's, I'm more, that's where I'm coming from it as like a rehab professional, not only like looking at what we can do for your injury and like helping the healing process, but I'm looking at it from like a coach's mind, like how can we work on other things? Like this is a great opportunity to slow down and work on your footwork, or this is a great opportunity to work on core, or this is a great mm-hmm. opportunity to work on these other areas of weakness where maybe when you're climbing really hard, you're too stoked to like slow down and step back and work on those things. Like rehab really is a great opportunity for those things. Ooh, I love, yeah, I love how you phrase that as like, it literally is an opportunity. It doesn't, it's, it's all in the way that we are thinking about it, you know, the way that we approach the rehab and approach the injury itself. So we've talked a lot about like, okay, you have an injury, now what? Let's talk about injury prevention. So I feel like that's a word that's probably thrown out there quite a lot. Is there such a thing as that? Yeah, so it's a little bit of a myth. Um, I think it's a little bit misleading to say, Pete, to say injury prevention, just because we can't prevent all injuries like shit happens. And, you know, (laughs) humans are dynamical systems and there's just a lot going on that we don't have control of. And so as much as we would like to feel like we have control over what happens to us, sometimes we just don't. And sometimes we don't have a good explanation for why somebody got injured or it's so multifactorial, it's hard to explain. So, so injury prevention is a little bit misleading because if we say that and then someone gets hurt, they're like, oh, wow, this didn't work. Um, so I like to say injury risk reduction and that that phrasing is a little it's like intentional mm-hmm. because we can there are things that can reduce your risk of injury, but we can't always prevent all injury. Um, so injury risk reduction is the way that I like to mm-hmm. approach it. And there's a lot of things that you can do for that. One of them being um, load management. So that's definitely something that I look at for a lot of my clients. A lot of times um, the in the way the reason why the injury happened is because of a load management issue. They're doing too much volume or they're doing too much of something um, and their body couldn't tolerate it. Um, And that's really, really important to look at, because even if we do like the rehab, like if someone comes to me with like a an overuse finger injury, and we do the rehab, but then they go back to doing what they were doing before, we didn't fix the problem. You know, we fixed the immediate, the symptom of the problem, which is the injury, but we didn't fix the problem, which is their training program. Um, And that's part of what kind of led me to getting into coaching is like, wow, okay, like there's a lot I can do rehab wise here, but like a lot of this is stemming from the way people are training. So um, managing like volume is really, really important. And then number two, strength training actually has a lot of really good research behind it in terms of reducing your risk of injury um, by quite a lot, by up up to 66% in some studies, which like if I could give you a pill that reduced your risk of injury by 66%, would you take that pill? Like I would, I definitely would. So strength training is important and that not only goes for like resistance training um, for like your whole body, but also like finger strength training and things like that. Those are great things that you can do all the time that are going to help reduce your risk of injury because they build up strength. They increase your capacity. They increase the tissue tolerance. So they increase like what the load that your tissue can tolerate. Um, And that's really, really important, especially for a sport like climbing where like for the shoulders, for example, we're getting into positions that are just like so effed up and weird. It's like, you know, 
they're, they're quote bad positions, like some people maybe call them, but the stronger your shoulders are, the more they're going to be able to tolerate those weird mm-hmm. positions that are just unavoidable in climbing. So, right. Yeah. So the point isn't to avoid them. The point is to get strong enough to when you get into them, you're able to move out of it well. Ooh, I like that a lot. And I know too, in the past, you've shared a lot about like, you can't overuse your knees or your back. Can you speak more to that? Because I think that a lot of people just kind of assume, oh, when I get older, this is the thing that happens to me. And all of a sudden, I can't use my knees anymore. I've used them too much in my life. Yeah, totally. So like our bodies aren't machines. Like we are not cars that break down and wear out. Um, Like a lot of people like to use car analogies to describe things that happen in your body. Um, But it's not a really great way to think about it because the difference between your body and a car is that your body can adapt. Where of? Because... Um, we can adapt to almost anything that we that we do with our bodies as long as the dose is appropriate. So I always tell people the dose makes the poison. So you can have a little bit of something and it can be good and you can adapt to it or you can have too much of it and you can overdose and get poisoned. Um, so it's the same thing with movement and positions. And I really don't like to dichotomize positions as good or bad. Um, those that that's a little bit of like flawed thinking. And I'm like more of like a movement optimist, I guess you could say, um, because I know that the body can adapt to certain positions and it doesn't matter too much. Um, In cases that it does matter, sometimes for performance, it can matter. Like it doesn't not matter at all. It can matter, but it doesn't matter as much as people think that it does. And worrying too much about things like that like oh I'm overusing my knee or like my shoulder is not in a good position when I'm doing something that's and that's going to cause pain those can those those are negative thinking thought patterns and that can actually lead to some things later down the line if we go if we keep thinking negatively like that about our bodies our bodies are able to adapt um and, you know, in, in pretty extreme circumstances in some cases as well. Um, mm-hmm. One of the cases that I like to bring up for people to, there are two things to exemplify that are, so in powerlifting, um, we've all heard that rounding your back is like a dangerous thing. It's bad for your spine, blah, blah, blah. Um, in powerlifting, like all of the people who are deadlifting like world records, people who can deadlift like a thousand pounds are doing it with a rounded back. And it's actually more mechanically advantageous because it moves the load closer to your center of mass when you round your back. Um, And those people have been doing it that way for a really long time. So they've trained their bodies to be able to handle that position. Um, So that's not to say that I'm teaching people to go out there and round, like do a deadlift with a super rounded back, but you can adapt to those things and it's totally fine. The other example um, that I give people is they've done actually studies on this. So weightlifters, um, Olympic weightlifters who do lots of like squatting, snatching, lots of deep flexion of their knee. Mm -hmm. They've MRI'd their ACL at the beginning of the season. And then they MRI their ACL at the end of the season. And it's bigger. It's hypertrophied. It got stronger from those things. And so a lot of people like to say, oh, that deep knee flexion is dangerous. You're going to have problems in your knee when you get older. Well, it turns out those structures adapt over the season and get stronger and bigger. Oh, I love that so much. I mean, it's way, it's so empowering 
too, to know that like, yeah, this isn't just a thing just because it's normal and common doesn't mean that that's the way that it has to be. Yeah, totally. Um, And I love telling people these stories because it is empowering and it gets people to trust their own bodies a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really important, especially if we're recovering from an injury or for people who suffer from like chronic pain and stuff like that. It's really empowering to know that your body can adapt to things. Absolutely. And one of the things that I love the most about you and everything that you share is you're, you're so excited about teaching people how to do this for themselves. You're not sitting there being like, this is all my knowledge and you can only work with me and then, then I'll share it with you. It's like, you really want to have the climbing community like be healthier and better as a whole. So tell me a little bit more about your upcoming program. Like you're pretty much going to be teaching people to like have more bulletproof bodies. Like you're, you're going to be able to withstand more of these positions because you're going to be coming from a stronger base. Yeah, so that's like exactly why I created this, the newest program that I'm offering, which is called Resilient AF, um, is because I want to empower people with this knowledge. Like I'm going to go through and teach people a lot of these things in the program so that they have this knowledge about the body. And we're also going to be working on a program that's designed specifically for climbers to build more resilient bodies. So it's going to be things like doing strength training, doing hangboarding, And um, I'm kind of targeting people who maybe have had climbing injuries before or who are still dealing with climbing injuries um, or who are a little scared of re-injuring or injuring because those are the people that can really benefit from this information. This program's for anybody, but definitely um, I want people like that to join the program so that they can learn this stuff because I... I suffered for a long time thinking that my body was broken and thinking that I couldn't do things. And it it was terrible. And I don't want anyone to go through that. And so that's really kind of like my mission for the climbing community is to like provide that information so that nobody has to go through that um, and feel negatively or feel broken. Oh, I love that. And that obviously affects the way that you approach a rock climb in the first place is if you aren't coming from a place where you feel really good about your abilities then that's going to affect how hard you're able to try. It's going to make you second guess yourself. I have so many clients that their number one thing that they are the most afraid of is getting injured. And I'm like, but have you ever been injured? And they're like, no, I haven't. So this would probably be a really great option for them just to gain that trust and confidence in their body and to know like, okay, yeah, even if I do get injured, that's not the end of the world. Like I, I know the steps to take after this. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and it isn't the end of the world. Like, and chances are, if we're athletes and we're pushing ourselves, we are going to get injured. Um, and it doesn't have to be the end of the world. And I think having that catastrophic thinking about an injury can can be really harmful. Like, not only for your performance, but just mentally for you. And then if you do get injured, it's like, wow, it really is the end of the world now. Um, so yeah, helping people with that mindset is going to be a really big component of this program. And I know Mm -hmm. you appreciate that because I know you work with people on their mindset all the time. Yes, absolutely. And one thing that I kind of want to reiterate that you said is like, when you're pushing yourself, it's, it's, it is, it's kind of like the, I don't want to say the admission, the price of admission to the sport, but like it, it might happen at some point in time. And that's not to say like you were, you weren't meant for this sport or that you shouldn't be doing this. It's just, I mean, can you speak more to that? Yeah, totally. I mean, getting injured is the price we pay for not having sat around on our asses. Um, And it happens. And like, if it doesn't happen to you, that's awesome. Like you got lucky. Um, Injuries happen. And I think having a way to uh, deal with them when they do happen 
um, is a really important thing for people to be able to know how to do. And, you know, like I said before, just because you have an injury or pain doesn't mean it's going to have to be this whole process where you have to reset. Like a lot of times there's workarounds and there's things you can do to get back to climbing faster if you know what to do. Um, and of course, like your mindset and how you're approaching that is a really, really important component of that too. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just love the name too, Resilient AF. Like it's just, it's like sassy and it's empowering. I just love it. So if people want to learn more about that, where do they go? How do they find out more information? When do they have to join by? Yeah, uh, they can go to my Instagram. Um, There's going to be a link in my bio for that probably on Thursday. Um, If they are already on my mailing list and they're on the wait list for it, that information is already already out there, Um, but it's going to go public on Thursday. Um, and they can, they can hit the link in my bio for that. Um, and probably my website too. Perfect. Okay. I will link everything in the show notes as well, but you guys like this is honestly, this doesn't really exist yet in the climbing community and it's, it's about time. Like it's about time that we have some, I think more positivity around injuries and kind of like normalizing them. They happen and it, it doesn't have to be the end of the world like we were talking about. And it can actually feel like a really supportive and uplifting opportunity. It just, you just need to be able to be around people that are going to support that mindset and be able to reassure you that yes, everything is going to be okay. Like here are the tools that you need to work through this. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Ooh. Oh, I'm just so excited for you. So thank you so much for coming on the show. And I will link everything in the show notes so that people can connect with you further if they're not already following you, which they absolutely should be. Um, Natasha has an amazing home wall set up. She shares some really amazing stuff on Instagram. And if you've ever had an injury before, she has a ton of helpful tips and education on there as well. Thanks, Chelsea. It was great to be on the show with you. Yay. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, please make sure you go leave a rating and a review. And monthly, I will actually be doing a giveaway for a free training plan. So if you head to wherever you find your podcast, so that can be on Apple, iTunes, that can be on Stitcher, go ahead, leave that rating and review. And once a month, I'm going to be drawing somebody's name for a free training plan. I so appreciate the feedback and It helps me get to know you better and get to know exactly what you want to hear on the podcast. Stay tuned for next week.